0: This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, are magic mushrooms a miracle drug or risky business? Rotem Petranker, Associate Director of U of T's Psychedelic Studies Research Center, tells us more about his research into microdosing psychedelics for treating depression and why they are cautiously optimistic about the drug's future and some concerns about where it could go sideways. Are you okay with picking fruit? how about getting younger? That's a good deal. Happy Canada Day. Celebrate an all Canadian round of game showy on the shift daily podcast, we guarantee you're gonna learn something new about our amazing country. This is the shift podcast. Here on the shift, we have and love our psychedelic Sunday show. It was an era of peace, love and happiness. It's an era I think that you know I think we we hold in a very romanticized look. I'm okay with that, looking back at it, romanticizing it. It wasn't all pretty. But there were so many things that came of that era that, as we progress through time, seem to become more and more valid. mindfulness, meditation, uh, mind, body connection, movement, creativity, like improv. There are so many things that today are becoming very commonplace in our personal study of growth, visualizing something that you want. You hear athletes say it all the time. And then there are other things that kind of got a bad rap from it, acid, stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of putting chemicals into the old bod, you know, but there are some natural things that come from it too. We've seen here in Canada, marijuana, that's definitely changed. And then there's the mighty old mushroom. The uh, psychedelics that is the mushroom really is the core of so much of that era. There has been a lot of study lately on the benefits of it. It is starting to get more widely accepted in regards to uh, many studies, including depression and so much more. And this is where we welcome in Rotem Petranker. He's helping us um, understand his work inside um, mushrooms, psilocybin, microdosing, and everything that goes with it. Um, Rotem, you guys have come a long way in the last few years in the general awareness and willingness uh, to take a look at these things. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm great. Thanks. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a pretty wild couple of decades. But for me, yeah, it's been several exciting years.
0: Now you're too young to have uh, lived as a young adult in this era of psychedelics. Uh, So I will assume that you've discovered this another way. How have you found it?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I personally have always been curious about mind expansion. I think your intro was excellent, kind of a lot of these things. I've been into mindfulness meditation since I was a teenager um and i've always been curious about how can we expand our consciousness how can we be more of who we are and get more out of the human experience and i really never thought that i'd be studying psychedelics but uh, the opportunity really fell in my lap i got lucky a friend uh, mentioned to me that he's starting a reading group and i said i came to the first one i said guys we're a powerhouse, we should be doing this research, not just reading about it. And yeah, some of the people really went with it. And we started a research group. It's fascinating. Um, I think it's
0: still misunderstood when we talk about hallucinogenics, um, psychedelics, and all these bits and pieces, much like hypnosis is misunderstood. We always think of hypnosis as that comedy show on the stage. Um, there is levels of consciousness around hypnosis that we sort of dip in and out of through the course of the day. And I, one of the best examples would be when you're driving along and you sort of pass your exit and you're like, whoa, what just happened? How did I do that? Because your mind was still driving, but you were very much in a different place, right? Maybe that's a little too simplistic, but I think we understand the point. And we have this notion with this microdosing as well that we misunderstand it. And microdosing, is a lot different than hypnosis on a stage of fully encompassed in a situation. So help us understand where you get started with this.
1: Yeah, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about microdosing. dosing. Um, maybe to those who uh, don't know so much about it, I just want to say we actually don't have a rigorous definition of what microdosing is exactly. Um, but the working definition we have is a dose of psychedelics that is so small that you experience no hallucinogenic effects whatsoever. And I think that, um, for some people, they think, wow, this is going to be the thing that's going to fix me. This is it. I have found the magic bullet and those people are probably going to be disappointed for other people. They think this is very dangerous. And, um, this is going to bring about an age of chaos and destruction Uh, people losing their minds, and who knows what else. And I am fairly confident that those people don't have it quite right either. Um, The way I like to think about microdosing uh, is just another tool that we can use uh, when we're trying to help people, whether we're trying to help unwell people get well, so people with depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, But it can also be a tool that helps people that are kind of already in the middle of the bell curve, people who are doing okay, but not great. Maybe we can help them do great. Maybe we can really open some troves of creativity, of mindfulness, um, help them become more in touch with their feelings, with their bodies, things that we are really lacking, I think, as a society so yeah i think some of the misconceptions about microdosing is that it's either here or there whereas it's really could be anywhere in between
0: well let me take that cue and acknowledge your your academic background too uh you studied psychology then a master's in social psychology what seems to me to make you the perfect candidate to look at this because it lets you get into that um, both studies of the social aspect plus the, the psychology. So that's fascinating to me. The way that I understand it, and uh, I spend a lot of time with my psychologist, uh, both studying what is psychology from a cognitive scenario, plus my own experience of life as we go through it. One of my favorite things to do. And I, I have learned this, that when somebody experiences depression I say this from the understanding that, you know, microdosing, one of the access points to, to studying it is dealing with depression. And you can correct me on that if that's wrong. But the um, the point is, is that when someone takes an antidepressant, like you said, fix me. And the, that's not a fix me scenario. And microdosing from this perspective and mind expansion is not a fix me scenario from what I, how I've learned. And and, and I as, as I learn more about this, it is more access to stabilization. It is access to clarity. The work still needs to be done. We can't just expect it. I think that when we talk about microdosing and antidepressants, there are so many people that take antidepressants because it fixes them in their mind. And when the reality is, is oh no, there is an awful lot of work to do if you really want to commit to fixing yourself. I mean, philosophically, I would say you're not broken. You simply have habits that aren't working for you. But is, is that a fair understanding that because I think the pressure of what is microdosing in regards to the psychedelics really comes off when people know that it becomes access to clarity, not that magic key.
1: Yeah, I think that's really accurate. I, I guess the correction I do want to provide is that I'm also I'm currently doing my PhD. Um, oh, really? In Holy psychology, cow. And I'm also I also do therapy. So I also like clinical therapy. Yes. So I also have opinions about, uh, about that as well. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, microdosing may be an adjunct to therapy. It may be an adjunct to some other exploration work, personal work. Um, it's not, it won't replace it. There is no magic pill that we can take and just feel better. Um, this is something that can help us uh, in in the journey to find whatever it is that we're looking for and sometimes find things that we weren't necessarily looking for. But yes, in our journey of healing, journey of exploration. Um, and I think it's super important, the point that you made about how this cannot replace therapy and this cannot replace pretty much any other kind of personal work.
0: Do you have to take that look We hear about other intoxicants, like a glass of red wine is good for your heart or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, A little marijuana can be or THC can be good for, I don't know, uh, something that's going on for you. And then you've got CBD oil is maybe good for your joints. Like We hear these things that when used with some guidance and understanding, they can really help us at the same time three bottles of red wine not good for your body like smoking your brain out your ears not good for your brain right we've got this are we looking at mushrooms the same way that you know the party mushrooms need to be distinctly separate from this more disciplined use
1: that is i think more of a cultural question than a biological or psychological one um psychedelics are Extremely safe in physiological terms. You can you you would need to eat many kilograms of mushrooms to reach a point where it could be dangerous for your body. Might be bad for your mind, but that's a whole other uh, issue, and we don't really know about that. I think it's more um, that as a society we have decided that certain things are allowed for medicinal uses, but they're not allowed for recreational or personal uses. Um, So alcohol is an example of something that we have agreed is okay for recreational uses, but not medical. Cannabis has been very interesting because we started off medical and then we have decided that it's actually okay for people to just use it for fun and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that the proponents of psychedelic legalization are pushing for the cannabis model. Um, And I think that there are potential risks with that because psychedelics are very powerful substances, at least as far as the mind goes. I'm not worried about someone overdosing on LSD, but I think that people are likely to use these substances in a potentially careless way. And so I think that when legalization comes for these substances, and I trust that it will come soon because the hype is very real, um, I think that a good model uh, would be something that includes a lot of education that tells people, hey, here's how you use these substances in a way that is useful and potentially fun. And I, I, there's uh, a guy named Mark Hayden. He was the head of Maps Canada, and he proposed a model that I really liked that is kind of like a driver's license where you get a license to purchase uh, psychedelics. And in order to get the license, you need to go through a certain short course that talks about important concepts like set and setting, um, really tells you how to use it properly. And then it would work well for you, whether if you choose to do it for more therapeutic reasons, or if you choose to do it for more recreational reasons.
0: Do you worry about the escape hatch nature of these things though? I mean, quite often, I I would say that as we look for healthy solutions, those escape hatches, as I call them, could be things like going for a walk or going for a run or maybe a workout or a, a, a nice glass of tea and a book. So that, or listen to some music, some, some escapism. And I know that I've fallen into the trap before. Ivy, I'll even do it with a bowl of popcorn, right? I comfort eat. I will sit down and I'll have a, for me, it's cider. I'll have a cider, but then I'll probably have another one. And that's not good because it's not me enjoying the cider so much as I am using my escape hatch, right? I mean, I, we all do it at some point, whether it's pizza or whatever, As we open this up, though, that misunderstanding, license or not, humanity kicks back in. Boy, oh boy, that fear and all those things, that's quite powerful. Give humans a chance to do two things, we will always take it. Uh, One, avoid things we don't like. Two, (laughs) add meaning to everything. Um, Does that become concerning in this, as we see with other intoxicants?
1: Yeah, I think canonically, um, kind of the reason, part of the reason that people uh, think that psychedelics can be useful for. Therapeutic reasons is because they confront you with the stuff that you're avoiding. So if this is true, it would actually be difficult to use um, psychedelics as an escape because once you use them, all of a sudden it becomes very salient to you. It's very clear and obvious that maybe there's something wrong with your relationship or something wrong with your friendship with someone or something wrong with the way you treat your body and you can't escape that. And then if you try and avoid that while you are under the influence, you're going to have a bad time. And that's a part of why I think therapy is really important, because then someone is there to hold your hand and say, it's okay. You're okay. This is going to be fine. Uh, we'll make it together. So I think if anything, the part about ascribing meaning is more of a concern for me, because this is not quite well understood yet, but some evidence is emerging to suggest that people who use psychedelics start seeing meaning where meaning does not exist, start connecting dots that maybe shouldn't be connected, maybe become more interested in conspiracy theories um, or note, note certain synchronicities in their life. And I don't exactly know if that's dangerous. I don't know if that's a risk. I don't, we don't, this is practically anecdotal evidence. There's very little published work on this, but this is, I think, something to pay attention to. Um, The psychedelic experience is not necessarily true or real. Um, And people have all kinds of insights while they're under the influence, and afterwards they feel great. So I think I would take it with some caution, the um, sensed feeling of meaning that psychedelics provide.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating to think that, you know, how great it would feel if you could take the pressure off yourself and identify that things in your life aren't working, like your job, your career, uh, this particular relationship. How terrifying is that, though, to all of a sudden be um, in that awareness paralysis, if you will, that, okay, you know that your relationship is not working or this person does not treat you right, but that doesn't mean you instantly have all of the tools to deal with it and manage it holy moly, panic, run and hide. I don't know. All of those old patterns from way back in the day, you would think would start to kick in again. And it, in essence, starts to unwind the progress. So you can see how complicated it is, which leads to the question then, Rotem, is is humanity healthy enough for this mentally? Are we ready enough to take this on yet?
1: I think, uh, again, I think you brought up a lot of good uh, points. And I think it's... What I'm, what I hope will happen is that it'll kind of um, wake up our internal compass, remind us of what is important, what we want to pursue, and um, maybe, and then we would need to develop the tools or maybe rediscover the tools because I'm sure that there's a lot that we don't actually use. Um, that's what I hope will happen. In reality, what I'm seeing happening is that a lot of these substances are already being monetized. I think a lot of people that, were, that regret not being part of the cannabis rush are now getting on this bandwagon. And I have concerns about how that's going to end up looking because psilocybin, the active part of magic mushrooms, cannot be patented. And the same goes for LSD. Um, and many of these molecules. So I think there's now a gold rush to try and find molecules that are very similar to these, but can be made proprietary. And so I think it's equally likely that what will happen, and this is especially a concern I have with microdosing, is that it'll just become part of the medical paradigm where uh, pharmaceutical companies just buy everyone out and get you to pay a large premium for that. And so where you can get probably the street value of one dose of LSD uh, is maybe $5 now, maybe $10. Uh, you would probably in a few years, that would probably be as illegal as it is now, and maybe more illegal, but you would be able to buy the pharmaceutical version of it, which would be virtually equivalent, but it would cost $100. Right.
0: Yeah, so that's scary, because that creates that dichotomy, right? You've got um, people who are using it without education today, they're buying it in a back alley. That's a terrible trope, but it's I think it fair. Um, and but at the same time, then you got people who are have this willingness to learn, which we're starting to see inside regulation anyway, is a willingness to explore it. So that's good news. But then all of a sudden, you have that humanity of we're, we're using maybe to a level that we have no education. And you know, using it, maybe not as efficiently or effectively as we could. And then we get into this other world where humanity kicks in again, with capitalization, and everything else that goes on. So you you can, that's why I asked the question, I think you've answered it clearly is that, you know, is humanity ready for this? And I'm not quite sure that that's the case all the time. At the same time, though, I would like to um, completely discredit that comment by saying, I can't imagine time more important than ever, where humanity needs to ground itself back into what this is all about. So, you know, I, I what I feel is maybe what I assume you go through in that wild swirl of whoa, how does this play out?
1: Yeah, this is we have such powerful substances here. It has such huge potential. And I'm, I guess where I'm at is I'm so hopeful. And I'm so afraid. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, I just I really I'm trying to do the right choices in my life. I'm trying to encourage others to respect these substances and to work on them in a way that benefits as many people as we can, because what else can we do in our lives, right? Just try and be good.
0: Yeah, i well, try and be good. Um, so there are people who are listening right now who are driving their delivery vehicle or whatever, and they're going through that thought, I can almost hear it as we talk about this. That. That's me, I just want the clarity to be able to make the decisions that are best for me. Now you I know that you're doing fundraising, which we will post that up uh, with uh, with the articles at shiftheads.ca In order to fund this, I mean, this stuff does not happen for free. But um, it is legitimate study. It is science. And uh, but what do you say to those people that are that they're caught up in that they're hearing it right now? They're like, that's me. I'm cautious. Maybe I'm smart about it. Oh my god, I'm desperate. Give me anything. That's landing in people's hearts right now, Rotem. How do where do we tell those people to go to learn more? Um, and I just ask that you do it responsibly with someone who is properly educated. Again, not back in the back alley. So, where where do we send people?
1: An excellent question. The science is so early; it's so it's nascent, it's inconclusive, and I don't think I think most people are not careful. Um, there are a lot of, as I said, profiteers in this area and they, as long as you pay them 999 a month, they will tell you whatever you want to hear. Right. So I wish I could point at one source of information and say, these are the good guys. You can listen to them, um, unquestioningly, but in reality, uh, I think that that is still a developing landscape and probably the, the best thing to do is uh, stay abreast of what the science is finding for now. And mm-hmm. hopefully soon enough, either the government will step in and create some kind of uh, brochure that would help people know how to best do it. And honestly, if people have questions, they can email me. Yeah.
0: And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put up the, uh, the petranker.com website, which has got a list of uh, Rotem's publications and study on this. It's not all about it, but a lot of it is about psychedelics, uh, just right there on the publications thing. So start reading, start learning. And I think it's safe to say based on what I picked through is that some of it is very supportive of microdosing and, and the benefits of it. And some of it also talks about the concerns too. So it doesn't seem to me to be biased because you're not an advocate of like, Hey, everybody, let's drink tea, get high woo like that's not what this is about. So you do seem to really look at both sides, which is that whole education masters PhD thing. That's kind of what you're up to. So that's probably a good thing. hey? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully, Uh, Rotem Petranker is here. And uh, that's the conversation, psychedelics, microdosing and so much more. If it's of interest to you, my only condition, and I'm going to put a condition on this, I'm going to demand this of you is that you educate yourself properly first, and get yourself in front of things. If you have a, a question, Rotem will answer it. Thanks for sharing your time, man. I really appreciate this fascinating stuff. Thank you so much.
2: This is the shift podcast. Are you Are okay? You, are you, okay, okay. Are you okay with
0: I'm Ryan O'Donnell's in downtown Calgary? John Chung in downtown Vancouver. I'm Shane Hewitt, I'm city of Airdrie, north side of Calgary. And I guess that's a great place to start, guys. Is are you okay with microdosing? I mean, would Ooh. you would, is it something that you would uh, give it a go or Rye, Or I mean, you like to uh. You like your your marijuanas? I do. Um, it's a very would, different experience. Would you take uh would you take the more playful recreational route of a mushroom or would you take a medicinal
3: microdose route? Well, I will tell you that the only time I've ever tried mushrooms was a microdose and it was for like having a fun time, like giving yourself the equivalent of like a buzz on on psychedelics. But even a mm-hmm. buzz, it's still was pretty wild. I got incredibly giggly. I couldn't stop smiling and it was super happy. And I got super nauseous and then feeling a little tired. And then I went back home and had one of the most beautiful heart to heart conversations I've ever had with a human being in my life. And it gave me like huge clarity and perspective and kind of like, you know, there's people that describe it as like there's, wires in your brain you didn't even know that could connect and it was like mm-hmm. that in that moment. And then when I woke up sober, it still felt like that. And it was a pretty profound experience. However, even the day after, after that really positive experience, I just thought to myself, I could not do that all the time. I feel like it would become very overwhelming. I, I do not see why it's still uh you know, it's still not as accessible as some other treatments though. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation. I don't know. I don't know if it could be our thing. Jono, would you? Uh, would you give it a go?
3: I might do it for like medicinal reasons, but not really for recreational reasons.
1: Jane, it's not get that. Funny. Yeah,
0: I yeah, get that. I'm with you. I'm right there. Okay. Anyway, um, 877-399-9898, You can uh, share your thoughts on these stories that make you ponder. Are you okay with fruit picking?
3: I haven't done it in a long time because there's not much fruit that grows out here in Alberta. Uh, But uh, when I lived in Ontario, there was, I forget the name of the farm. It was probably uh, Heritage Farms. I have brought it up on the show before. They had, uh, oh no, it wouldn't have been there. It would have been probably out near Sauble Beach maybe. Uh, Did some picking of cherries out there and then also some cherry picking in B.C., Uh, I did peach picking in Florida, which was cool. Mm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, delicious. It's nice. It's like a nice afternoon. But the sad part is when you go and you see all of the wasted fruit on the floor, all the fruit Mm. that people
0: pick and go, eh,
3: it's not perfect, and They just drop it on the ground. That's the gross part.
0: I've never, yeah, when I went in Vernon, that was really cool. It was towards the end of this. Well, it was towards the end of the summer, the growing summer anyway. It was the, probably the second week of August kind of thing. And so the cherries were great. They were basically all ready to be picked. Lots of the peaches and nectarines and stuff, those were all picked over. And we bought a massive box. I think it was 40 pounds. And I don't know, the price of cherries is what, like 12 bucks a pound or something stupid? And I was like, oh my God, what have we done? And they charged us two bucks a pound, I think. And we were we got up to 45 pounds or something. He's like, it's no problem, dude. And he charged me like a dollar a pound to 40 pounds or something. So I paid like 40 bucks for this massive box of cherries and five peaches. But that's what you get when you go to a family farm, right? Like you get good customer service. They know it's the end of the season. They had lots of cherries left. So I just think it's really cool. It's a super fun way to spend some time. You could do it with the the family. And despite a wild year for weather, fruits are actually looking very good in Canada this year.
3: The BC Fruit Growers Association is predicting an almost normal growing season in the interior. So far, apples and pears are expected to make a strong return this year. But apricots and peaches may be more sparse due to bud damage caused by frost in November and December.
1: Apricots, particularly, probably be a very low crop. And peaches is really variable. I'm hearing some with full crops and some that have no crops. So I'm not sure where peaches will land.
3: And while cherries were also subject to bud damage, general manager with the BC Fruit Growers Association Glenn Lucas expects that won't have a negative impact on the overall volume of the crop.
0: All right, that's exciting, right? That As globals Jaden Wozni, the weather is perfect for picking your fruits, which is exactly why a fruit picking event was scheduled in the UK, due to be held on the 28th of June. The event was set to span over five days at a medieval house and grounds. In Callstock, the key wood there was due because it was cancelled because of the birds. Laura Jarman from the National Trust said eighty trees had been cleared of cherries as they had been feasted on by very cheeky blackbirds. Cheeky blackbirds, she <laughs> said that the cherry orchards, <laughs> right? Cheeky blackbirds, she said the cherry orchards had been blossoming since two thousand four, but in the last few years had there had been a larger amount of cherries. She said, they're so cute. We don't mind too much. Right. And they're so cute. Uh, I've been watching lots of Ted Lasso, so I realize my accent's terrible, but in my mind, it sounds great. Ms. Jarman told the BBC that they're still planning to hold an apple picking event later in the year, unless those pesky, I don't know, what what eats apples. apples? Uh, Horses show up. People. Horses pesky, wild horse <laughs> apple eaters. Uh, that's fun. I like that. I do recommend it. If you get a chance, uh, you can go to the um, nice. go go for pick some fruit. Are you... I, you know what? Let's start the next one out of context.
2: Children get older I'm getting older too.
0: Mm, I, think, uh, I think I know where this one's headed. Are you okay with getting older
3: yeah
0: uh, happens all the time no <laughs> no <I'm
3: laughs> at that point now where i'm like 30 it's closer to 25 now like oh yeah you're closer like to it.
0: 30 than you are 20 that's for sure you're yeah, closer to being like that, dead thought.
3: right Th- thanks that's a great way of looking at it i'm a, i'm okay with like living life and like getting old and like you know all that you know there's beauty in that that's great uh just um not not right now you know no not right now no i'd like to be forever young.
0: Uh, trucker dam i think uh because of that one i think that we should give this to uh to trucker dam that's a typo on your yes. own name trucker dam um did
3: that feel good for you that felt i wish you that could. Felt have good. that felt really good for me actually yeah Yep. Uh, Trucker
0: Dam says, getting older is inevitable. Growing up is optional. Ooh, that's deep. Mm. Well deep. done. Deep.
3: Add that to Drake's poetry book.
0: What about, are you okay with getting younger
3: though? I was, somebody asked me this question the other day. If you could have $10 million right now or go back to being six years old with all of the knowledge you have now, would you do it? Which one would you pick? And I said, I'd take the money now. I don't think I I'd want to relive... Too. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to relive my life and try to guarantee and make force things that I liked that happened to happen again I you know agree. I've lived life I'm not going to get any younger and you know just try to I think that uh, I agree with you forward. I think that
0: I would I, I would really not want to the naivety is a beautiful thing yeah and I feel like there's a, a big chunk of naivety that I would really love back. Yeah, I think that's special.
3: Although I would probably tell my older self to buy some Bitcoin in like 2013. mm, Very good. Mm. Yeah,
0: very good. Good advice. Way to go, younger self. Um, Well, in Korea, South Korea in particular, congratulations, you're now legally younger. More than 51 million people in South Korea woke on Wednesday to find themselves a year or two younger. Under legislation that came into effect Wednesday... All judicial and administrative areas across the East Asian country will adopt the international age system used by most of the world, which is your birthday is the day you were born. In South Korea, international age refers to the number of years since a person was born starts at zero. Same system used in most countries. But when you are asking them about their age in informal settings, most South Koreans will answer their Korean age, which could be one or even two years older than their international age. Under this system, which has roots in China, babies are considered a year old on the day they're born uh, with a year added every January 1st. So if Mm -hmm. you were born like at the end of the year, December 30th, you're adding your year earlier plus your uh, womb year, if you will. And I saw a thing on um, Cy, the, you know, Gangnam style, that guy. He Yeah. um, yeah. So he was I think he was 47 under the new realm. He he becomes. Um, 45 now oh. this is uh because okay. of he gets younger I feel like we had to do that um, absolutely the uh, the interesting though some immigrants back in the in the 80s and stuff like that when paperwork was not a thing I, I did hear stories uh, from families you know you got the you know your buddy you grew up with grandpa and stuff like that when you go visit that when they came to Canada, what they would do is they would actually make themselves be older, like five, seven, 10 years older on paper. They were smart enough to know that when you came to Canada and retirement and all of those things that you invest into um, your retirement funds, that if you made yourself be, if you were 45 and you made yourself be, well, if you're 35 and you made yourself be 40 or 42, you got to retire five years sooner and you got your pension. <laughs> so, that sounds pretty that, all right. Yeah, so people would say, "Well, what's your birthday?" and they'd be like, "My Canadian birthday or my back home birthday." So sneaky, eh? Genius. It's genius. I, I, I mean, it's is cheating. Genius. It is cheating. I, yeah, but also but, they're
3: not exactly set up for success. So I'm, I'm okay with that one.
0: Well, back <laughs> then when, um, when the paperwork was a thing, and I mean. That's kind of one of those things that ask for forgiveness, I guess, not permission, right? And to have the forethought to to do that, I think is particularly smart. So cool stuff. Um, Don't do that. That's cheating. This is the Shift Podcast. We're going to do our very own Canadian trivia. That's right, it's time for Game Showy. It's a game show on the radio. Kelsey Campbell is our guest. She'll be battling it out with Shade Hewitt for Pride and Prizes. Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell, eh? Oh,
3: I thank you there, Bob. That's so kind of you. You know, you're just coming off as just such a nice old guy. Reminds me of the pop I grew up with up in the old, uh, I forgot the name of the place out in Ontario where they talk like this. I remember it very faintly. Anyway, um, what is that called? It's kind of like where Fargo. Kenny's from
0: <laughs> North Dakota.
3: <laughs> no, it's like Letter Kenny. You don't. Uh, anyway, yes, no. it's time to play game showy. We're gonna celebrate our home, Canada. It is a Canada Day trivia showdown, and uh, it's a pretty simple game. And this is how it all works. If you're new here, or you just need a refresher. Our contestants are going to pick a uh, question and a difficulty of said question now it was very difficult to find an aggressively canadian thing to play for you know we've got like apples and fruits from bc wine from bc we've got you know the beautiful uh beef that you can get in alberta like there's all these different
0: things beautiful just, beef
2: beautiful yes. beef. It, beautiful i beef. think often it's beauty <laughs>
0: lobster in the maritimes wine in niagara thank you yeah i'm trying to think
3: of the uniquely ontario thing i went cherry picking in ontario once that was awesome i went cherry picking Uh, in vernon also awesome you can see you can do it anywhere we're not paying Mm -hmm. playing for fruit though we're playing for something that's universally delicious regardless of where you are in this country and that is beaver tails The delicious pastry that you can find, especially on the sides of, uh, you know, carnivals and all that. So we're playing for beaver tails.
0: So one beaver tail would be an easy question. You've never had a beaver tail?
2: I thought it was ice cream on a stick. It's a pastry?
0: Yeah, it's like a a flat donut. They come in all kinds of like wild flavors, but Mm -hmm. you don't need to get the fancy chocolate, double chocolate, super chocolate stuffed ones. You just go get the classic beaver tail and you'll have diabetes by three. Like, it is so
3: good. Like, had a crepe. You've ordered a crepe, and then you have it, and you go, This is disappointing. That's what it's like every time I have a crepe. Beaver tails are like what I think a crepe should taste like. Wow, I've never
2: had a disappointing crepe in my life. (laughs) Oh, everyone. More magical than the last.
3: I, I'm happy for you. Uh, okay, anyway, so today's your chance. <laughs> today's your chance to get a, a lot of beaver tails, Kelsey, because oh, we're alrighty. playing for several different values. So one beaver tail would be an easy question. Three mm-hmm. is hard. If mm-hmm. you get it right, you will hear mm-hmm. this sound. <laughs> nice. Very, very good. nice. Very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you get it wrong, oof, it's a bit triggering. <laughs> They're coming for you. The geese are coming for you. <laughs> oh, now man. we also have cobra three chickens. categories. Yeah, the cobra chickens. We have three categories to choose from. We've got Canadian history, Canadian inventions, and our home and native land. Just various cool geography stuff on our uh, on our beautiful comb. We also have a very special question that is for the listeners, the shift heads alone. It's hidden right in the show, and one lucky contestant will stumble across it and could win two beaver tails. It is the one, the only, the text line special. And when we find it, it's going to sound like this.
0: What a great day for Canadians everywhere.
3: What a great day indeed. So, get your phones ready if you're able Mm -hmm. to text to 877-399-9898. Here is your question. What is canada's national cocktail is it the caesar the b52 the donald sutherland or the angry canadian all of those are very real by the way all of those again what is the national of canada the caesar the b52 the donald sutherland or angry canadian And that's the rules of game showing. Oh, and if you get the question wrong, then you can steal it within five seconds. I always forget
0: that part. If you get the question wrong, you can steal it. Ryan forgot that part. 877-399-9898. Which drink is more Canadian? The one in my hand, the Caesar, the B-52... The Donald Sutherland or the Angry Canadian. eh, Bob Oh, thanks, Bob. Such a beauty. Just a
3: beauty right there. Okay. Uh, I forget. Like the beef. Who, the beef.
2: <laughs> Where's the beef?
3: Uh who won last week? I was, was, it, was no. I think it was Shane. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was me. Yeah. And, oh yeah, Shane ran away with it last week. Yeah, so Kelsey, uh look, that was a ran that was a tough away goal. With it. It was, but it was a bit of a tough go. But Kelsey gets mm-hmm. to go first, so maybe she'll get a chance to uh, jump ahead here. So where Can are we going? Point out
2: that you guys are Ontario boys. I felt like there was a lot of Ontario questions.
0: I'm from Alberta. Fon Fon, Fon, Grew I up on, on Vancouver sure, Island, shortly. went to high school in Alberta. I mean, I worked in Ontario a couple of times. but Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: I lived in Ontario for quite a few years also. Uh, all right, nice so try, though. Well <laughs> it's like a rite of passage <laughs> to
3: spend at least more Just... than a month in Ontario at some point in your life. Yeah, so you got
0: to go there, okay, got to live there.
2: I am actually, I'm a bit nervous. I loved history. I love social studies in school. Mm-hmm. But knowing how poorly Canadians have done on these uh, mm-hmm. tests,
0: okay. I'm That's
2: going to actually depressing. adjust my approach uh, because I want to come out swinging okay. and I'm hungry for beaver tails. So I'm going to start with our home and native land for two beaver tails.
3: For two. two beaver tails. I love this question. Canada is home to a lot of very long things. The world's longest border, the longest Stanley Cup drought, and the longest street in the world. What city is home to the longest streets on Earth? Is it huh. Vancouver, Tirana, Montreal, or Winnipeg?
2: I know this one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I lived here. Mm-hmm. It is Young Street in Tirana. Mm-hmm. That... that's correct there bud
3: (laughs) now (laughs) just to clarify there is this is kind of a myth because there are people that think that this claim is bogus that it's over 1800 kilometers long and say that it crosses with a highway but ignore that look Canada we own the things that we own and I think it's okay to just say that we have the longest street in the world just give it to us you know Fair enough. Yeah. And,
0: I would say And it.
2: more And more importantly, where Dundas Square is at Dundas and Young Street, that is known as the center of the universe. That mm. falls on the longest mm. street in Canada.
0: Hmm. Very good. I did not know that. All right. So uh, Kelsey has uh, created opportunity here, and I'm going to go with Canadian history for three mm-hmm. beaver tails. Three. Please, Ryan, I'm going to roll them all up and eat them all at one time.
3: Okay. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. It is a dead language. Canada's motto in Latin is "Amari Usque Admare. What does that translate to? From sea to sea, from light to dark, <laughs> face.
0: from coast to coast, or from dusk till dawn? Uh, I feel like we just ordered calamari somewhere. Like, that's just what happened. I know.
3: Um, it does well, sound like an Italian restaurant. <laughs> oh, I'll the Amari ad
0: yeah, Can I get a you. side of something? Anyway, um, the uh, I think it's Sea uh, to Shining Sea. Um, it kind of feels like what it is natural to me there, Sea to Sea, mm-hmm. which would actually should be Sea to Sea to Sea. So it should be like Amari Uske ad Amari Mari Mari.
2: Okay, now that is way too much calamari. We that's cannot, cannot eat, we eat the amount that, that you just ordered. No, that's We need to much. undo one of these. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So just to
3: finalize, the final answer is from C to C. <laughs> to C, yeah. To C to C. Yes, to that C. Uh, that is correct. Yes. <laughs> it was funny that you mentioned that because there was a push a few years ago to change the motto to add in from C to C to C, essentially. They were going to change it be- to make it that, but they pulled and people couldn't care at all. So they just no. ignored it and
0: left it. So yeah. Okay. Well, we'll doesn't Shane
2: that. just know everything?
0: <laughs> tell you well, that. it turns out based on last week's score, Ooh. I have my own Karukuku button. So, to heck with you guys. There you go. Okay,
3: he can. Oh no, that's too much power, Kelsey. You're behind by one Beaver Tail.
0: I was not
2: sure if I came out with two. How Shane would play that? So, hmm. mm. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna keep chipping away because I think you're gonna yep. keep swinging big and uh, lose it all. I'm going Canadian inventions for Mm -hmm. two beaver tails, please.
3: For two beaver tails. Oof, Kelsey, you're taking a bit of a risk here because you're not allowed to answer this question. And that's because it's the text line special.
0: What a great day for Canadians everywhere.
3: I would like to say that we currently have a record number of texts. This is the most amount of texts we have ever gotten for a text line special. So thank you very Mm. much. It's been interesting trying to count them all, but there is a consensus. The question again is, what is Canada's national cocktail? The options, the Caesar, the B-52, the Donald Sutherland, or the angry Canadian? Um, Every single person except three people. (laughs) Mm. I'm looking at like a hundred texts. Are you counting
0: Uh, in the maple syrup Caesar in your total there? Hold on, somebody else.
3: texted about a maple syrup. Yeah, Caesar. maple that syrup, Caesar. Yeah. The, the, that sounds wrong. Um, no, I, I think everybody texted in the Caesar. But although I will say Ernie and Surrey texted the B-52, which is a great cocktail. And we did have a couple for the uh, Angry Canadian. But the correct answer is also the consensus from the listeners. And that is the Caesar, which is indeed our national cocktail. <laughs>
0: Angry Caesar was also on that list too. Angry, uh,
3: I don't really know why. I've tried this, you know. It's vodka, clam-infused tomato juice, hot sauce, Worcestershire sh- 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 sauce, and uh, you know okay. it was invented in a restaurant in Calgary. I've been to that restaurant, and uh, I still think they're disgusting. But you know, uh, other people think really they're like disgusting. it. They're a lot really of great. Maybe really I'll, maybe I'll like it as I get older, but right now no,
2: nope. yeah. I'm I'm with you. I haven't had a beaver tail, and I've taken one sip of a Caesar one time. Uh, I, I just it's runny ketchup to me. Can't do it. Can't do we it. We can't.
0: Um, we don't recommend the both at the same time. The beaver tail and the mm. Caesar. Just so you know.
3: Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Well, Kelsey is in the lead by one beaver tail. Shane. So where okay, are we Kelsey's going? in
0: the lead by one beaver tail, and. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Should we go deep on this or should I play along? Mm. All right, let's go with, um, I'm going to go for Canadian inventions. I'm going to go big and I'm going to take the risk. Three beaver tails, please. Okay. Three beaver tails. Okay. A Canadian
3: pharmacist invented this spreadable Nutella, peanut butter, Oreo, like the filling, or cheese whiz.
0: A Canadian invented the spreadable Nutella, peanut butter, Oreo filling, or cheese Whiz. Mm-hmm. Oof. I feel like Nutella is too fancy, Oreos too American, peanut butter is just too everywhere. Although, I don't know many peanut farms around the world, around Canada. Do you? I don't know of any peanut farms. And I feel like cheese Whiz is a very Canadian thing because it reminds me of my dad. <laughs> my dad loves cheese Whiz. I also <laughs> loves Velveeta. I don't know what, why, but Oof. by the way, cut Velveeta with a thread, not a knife. Learned that. Parenting tips coming at you. So I'm going to go with Cheese Whiz because I really don't know.
3: Uh, Cheese Whiz uh, is incorrect. Sorry, Shane. <laughs> Geese are coming. Kelsey, you've got five seconds to steal it.
2: But uh, Nutella.
3: Nutella what was is that very, very that popular in Canada.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was panic.
3: Oh, okay, cool. But Nutella is oh, also cool. incorrect. No, so sorry.
2: come on.
3: The correct answer is the peanut butter. Peanut butter really? is a Canadian invention. Marcellus Gilmore Edson of Montreal... Obtained the very first patent for a method of producing peanut butter with roasted peanuts using heated surfaces, blah, 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 blah. Now, look, Canadians didn't technically invent it. It's been around for thousands of years. But the first patented sellable jar of peanut butter is very much Canadian. I don't know.
2: Like, how did we not know this? Like, this should be something like grade two... Mm-hmm. You know they give out peanut butter sandwiches. Oh no, they're all banned. Peanut yeah, you bu- can't oh, do peanut. peanut
0: butter anymore. No, yeah, that's true. It kills, yeah, the, kid. True. Yeah, it kills yeah, the kid in the back front it. of the class. I'm not allowed to do that.
2: Huh? So, that is crazy. That's really, that's a, really crazy.
3: That's a bad okay. look, Shane. I'm sorry. Kelsey's in the lead, and it's also her turn. So this could be the seal of the deal, or you could also steal it. This is anybody's mm-hmm. game. All right. I feel
2: like my approach is working. Look at this slow and steady. Yep. I'm a whole new woman. Okay. A whole new woman. Okay. Mm. Two beaver tails, Canadian history. Mm
3: -hmm. Two beaver tails, Canadian history. Okay. The name Canada comes from the Huron Iroquois word meaning what? (laughs) Forest, township, village, or home?
2: Home and native land. Oh my goodness! This is not That'd easy. One. This is this is a mm. this is a three beaver tail question.
3: Mm, I disagree. Oh
2: man! Iroquois word meaning Canada. Bah! I gotta go home. I gotta go home.
3: You going home. You going home? Oh, oh, home?
2: Uh, you home. I'm going home. home.
3: I'm sorry. It is not home. It's incorrect. God, the geese are out right now, they're uh, they're gathering. And oh, there is a flock! Feeders. It's a gaggle, Shane. You have five seconds to seal.
0: C'est le village, the village bonus points. Is the correct
3: yes, village. Yes, all right. Okay. 1535 two indigenous youth told French explorer Jacques Cartier you might remember that name mm-hmm. about the route to Canada, which they were actually referring to a village. And then when Cartier went back to France, he just called the entire area oh, Canada. I
2: knew this. Canada. I would like to go yeah. back and say, I actually know this one and it's village. Good. You
3: well can done. tell me that, but it doesn't change <laughs> the fact that Shane currently is leading by one beaver tail. And we are on our last question
0: of this game show. A very, very close <laughs> round. This is
2: not how it's <laughs> supposed to go. This is not how no. it's supposed to go.
0: All right. Well, so I am one ahead. And if I yep. get it one, then I win. And if I get one, I, and I lose, I get it wrong. Then I tie or I can risk it. Oh, there's no two point questions left. Nope. Okay. So I'm going to go with a one, um, yep. oh, our home and native land, uh, one beaver tail. I'm going to risk it. Yep. And, uh, I'm going to risk a tie. Just okay. Risk a tie. Okay. Interesting. Uh-huh. What does Canada have more
3: of than any other nation on earth? Hockey pucks. Uh, well that that yes Correct. but that's not what the no uh two forests
0: <laughs> oh. lakes mountains or highways forests lakes mountains or highways we don't have a lot of highways we have just really long ones uh forests i feel like it's just one forest that's really big mountains maybe lakes lakes i would imagine Oh, it's got to be lakes, because it's got to be Great Lakes. Like, I mean, the lakes, like Land lakes, Great Lakes, all of these places like Manitoba, Northern Ontario. I heard somewhere that Canada had more fresh water than like the rest of the world combined plus Mars or some crazy stat. That's your
3: final answer.
2: No, I think he's changing his mind is what it sounds like to me. (laughs)
3: Well, no, I, I. that was a pretty definitive yes from Shane. And that is the definitive correct answer. Jay. Yes, it is lakes. In fact, 9% of our entire surface area is covered by fresh water. Is a lot of water.
2: We have more than, I actually know this because I've, I've written a bunch of the imaging that you're going to hear on our stations over mm. Canada Day Long Weekend and looked up how many lakes Canada has. And we've got more than 2 million lakes. I had no idea it was that many.
0: Wow. And still, lakefront property costs a million dollars no matter where you go.
2: (laughs) Oh, you're looking at a cheap property,
0: are you? Yeah, that's right. A million dollars lakefront? Yeah. Yeah. I think we should do this one more time. That, my friends, is Canadian game showy, eh? That's okay, Kelsey. James will okay. share his beaver tales with you. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> don't forget to get your moose spayed or neutered. I couldn't say beaver. Ryan, um, that they was bear. fantastic.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> hey,
0: Kelsey, <laughs> have a great what? Oh. Beavers, be- beavers. They they make dens and babies. Um. Okay, thanks for being here. Have a great long weekend. Thanks for playing along with Game Showy. The
2: and, things uh, that come out of your mouth, like we need to have a conversation about this.
0: No, we didn't. I was talking about an animal, and they make babies. That's all I was okay. talking about. Where your brain took it is not, a, not my fault. Just saying.
2: Dang, I knew these things. I knew them. Mm-hmm. I don't well, like losing. I don't. It doesn't feel good. It re- and it clear. really doesn't feel good two nights in a row. And it really, really doesn't feel good because I heard in your chat with Ben that you said Kelsey's coming on and she always loses. And I was like, well, not tonight. I know that much. <laughs> anyway, sorry. thanks for having me.
0: Always a, a pleasure.
2: <laughs> Happy Canada Day, boys.
0: All right.